Hello. Hi. You are tuned into Synchronicity Podcast. Welcome back. We are here to serve, guide, and navigate these crazy waters that we call life together here at Synchronicity. Uh, we are Nicole and Megan. We are so excited today. Our guest that is with us, um, we got to make an appearance on her podcast a couple weeks ago, and we're so excited for her to share this space with us and be here with us and share her story with you guys. And without further ado, we'll let our lovely guest, Amy, introduce herself. Hi, thank you so much for having me. First of all, I'm really excited to talk to both of you again. Our first conversation was pretty, pretty rad. So this is going to be fun. I am, my name is Amy Belair and I mean, on Instagram or whatever, when you can only have so many characters for your bio, I say that I am, um, an Akashic Oracle and channel some right now it says something about birthing new timelines and creating new realities and crystal clear Akashic Oracle, something like that. But basically what I do is, um, I access the Akashic records. So everything is kind of like rooted in the Akashic records and I hack the holographic matrix. So I detect the false matrix and like figure out the ways that we can emancipate ourselves from that. And then I see the real hologram and its organic functionality and try to bring through Basically, it just feels like advanced level manifestation and conscious creation instructions or whatever. And I feel like ultimately, succinctly, I channel multidimensional light codes to restore the original divine blueprint of humanity. That is a lot. Of, so cool. Yeah, you've got a soul mission. That is, it's an amazing. <laughs> you posted the other day. You're like, we need more Akashic record readers, and I was like, yes, this. I love this. Um, we do. Yeah, and what you do is really quite amazing. And of course, at the end of the podcast, I'll have you like give everyone their information because Amy is, she's got quite an Instagram, and she has like unbelievable courses and stuff offerings um, for people that are interested in this kind of stuff, but. Amy, I really just want to know your story. Um, I know you had mentioned that, you know, you lost, you had a significant loss in your life. And if you're willing to open up and talk about that, I would love to hear how that transformed your life and how it, um, how you turned something very potentially very devastating to the humanness into a potential great gift. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to share this story and talk about my son. That's who I lost. So I guess I'll, I'll go back and preface it with like, I remember being very young, like two years old and knowing that I was here to have children and to work with, um, mothers and babies. I don't even think I knew what pregnancy was apart from sticking a balloon under your shirt and being like, there's a baby in there because I was so little. Right. But I just knew that's who I was here to work with. And then as I got a little bit older, maybe like seven or eight, I started having these, they would just be like daydreams, but I would daydream that I was speaking to large audiences and I was channeling, not that I used those words, but through my crown and through my heart, I was channeling higher perspective information and messages that would cause, like I was, I was talking, the crowds were warring with each other, literally warring with each other and holding weapons. And then 
they would just be mesmerized by my speaking and be like, oh my God. And they would like snap out of the spell and look at the weapons in their hands and be like, what are we doing? And just put them down. So when I was a little girl, like that's what I was daydreaming about. But I had a very normal human perspective of myself. And I started to wake up when I was 18. But by wake up, I mean, like I got interested in astrology and past lives and things like that and started to have some pretty trippy experiences with time feeling very alienated, but it was a slow drip awakening. And, um, I had a lot of shadow around it. I was really, I I, I don't know. It was, it was very alienating. I felt very alone in it. And I felt afraid what other people would think of me, like my family and my, you know, my, like people I went to high school with, whatever, Um, So I kept it very closeted and suppressed and eventually, and then I struggled a lot with money, a lot with career. Like I just could not figure out this whole fucking money thing. I couldn't understand getting a job that I didn't believe in. Like, I was like, why would I do that? That doesn't make any sense. Why would anybody do this? Like, don't we have important things here to do? So I tried to fit in and then I would like at eight months, roughly, I would cap out and be like, I got to quit this job. I can't do this anymore. And it was just ping ponging all the time, always living in scarcity and poverty. And then I found out what um, midwifery was. So I got pregnant with my first son when I was 22 and I found the book Spiritual Midwifery in a used bookstore. And I was like, this is it. And I was so stoked to find out that in my small hometown, it's like totally a podunk town, um, there was a new midwifery practice that had just opened. And so I got to have a midwife for that first pregnancy. And it was totally amazing. I got to have a home birth. It was just like literally a dream birth. It was very hard and very long, but very painful. But on the other end, I came out feeling like a total badass. And I took to motherhood, like a duck takes to water. I just loved it so much. And I knew I wanted to be a midwife, but it was quite a competitive program to get into in Canada. And so some years had to ensue of more of this, you know, trying to work jobs and not succeeding. And I pursued an art degree in the interim. And then when I was just past my Saturn return, I got accepted into the midwifery program. And I I was like, okay, you have to put all this magic shit aside. That's all like, you know, all the psychic stuff, just go into the medical field and, you know, kick ass. So I kind of compartmentalized all that. And I went into midwifery and I did excel. I was doing very, very well. And I loved it. I loved, loved working with the clients and my um, midwife colleagues. And of course the babies, oh my God, there's just nothing like it's a literal miracle. Every fresh newborn baby is a literal miracle. It would bring tears to my eyes every time I was witnessing a birth. Um, and the program was four years long. And so in my, at the very end of my third year, as I was just entering the fourth year, like the third and fourth year, there's no break in between. They just go right into the next one. Uh, I met my partner, my person, and we very quickly got pregnant, very unexpectedly, like third date quickly. Um, And we just were like, okay, I guess we're doing it. I guess it's on. Like, this is for real. 
Um, and we were really excited about it. But when I was about 13 and a half weeks pregnant, I just got into the littlest fender bender in traffic. Like somebody was stopped. We were just driving slowly in town. Somebody was making a left turn and the roads were wet and I barely had enough time to stop without hitting the vehicle in front of me. And the person behind me didn't have enough time to stop. So she hit my rear bumper and I hit the next person in front of me. It was barely a scratch on my vehicle, but it was enough to cause the placenta to come away from the side of my uterine wall and for it to free bleed and nobody, nobody knew. So I went and had it checked out, but there's no way anybody could know that at that point. Um, until about 10 days later, I had a bleed, but he, his heart rate was still good and nobody knew. So we, we just kind of crossed our fingers and hope for the best. And I continued on with my midwifery path. And one night when I had just, I was in bed, this weird dream that I suddenly had a miscarriage and then my pager went off. And I got Paige to go call or to go assess somebody who was concerned that their water had broken early. And I got up out of bed and my water broke and I was only 20 weeks along. So he was only literally half cooked. A a pregnancy, generally speaking, is 40 weeks. So I knew, unfortunately, unfortunately, I knew what all this meant right away. I didn't need anybody to tell me. And it was a really weird space to navigate. Um, And so he was fine. Like his body was developing fine. His heart rate was still there. I continued to produce amniotic fluid, but there was a tear in the sac. So it kept coming out. And so my doctor put me, I, I transferred to a doctor, an OB, and he put me on bed rest. And I stayed pregnant for six weeks, five weeks of bed rest, I transferred into a hospital just in case when he became viable, meaning if he happened to be born, there was a chance that he could live. And at six weeks, I reported, I think I was just having Braxton Hicks contractions, honestly, and I didn't know what they were because I didn't have them in my first pregnancy because they were painless. And I reported them to the nurses and because they were prepared for me to go into preterm labor. It was just assumed it was preterm labor. And anyway, everything was expedited in that direction, no matter how much I tried to argue that no, just leave him. Don't touch me. Don't, don't check my cervix, leave it alone. So by like 24 hours later, he basically, he was born. I don't think he was supposed to be born, but he was born. Um, So he was 26 weeks and two days and considered a micro preemie and he weighed 880 grams. So just, just less than two pounds of butter. Um, but he was, he was beautiful and so perfectly formed and just like, oh, just such a gorgeous little being. Um, and he was doing really well for the first 10 days. Everybody was very optimistic and just, you know, figured that he was going to be fine. Um, but on the 11th day, he just started to not look, just didn't look right. And they did an, um, some tests and found out that there was a perforation in his intestines, which can happen when they're so um, premature. And so the bacteria in his intestines got into his bloodstream and he was septic. 
he had to have emergency abdominal surgery and he was hanging in the balance for another three days. And then he seemed to get over that. And then we found out that he was also having brain bleeds. So, and they were in his brainstem, really significant, which meant that if he were to stay alive, he would probably not have motor function. He wouldn't have speech function and he might not really even have cognitive function. So we were advised that really the best thing for him would be to let him go. And that was the hardest decision ever. But luckily my partner was really clear that that is what we had to do. And I knew that's what we had to do. I knew that any desire I had to keep him here was like for me. Um, so we let him go and I feel very lucky though, in hindsight, that that was the experience that he didn't just die, you know, in the middle of the night while I was sleeping or while we were at a restaurant eating, um, that we actually got to be with him and I got to sing him his song as he left this world. And, um, you know, he blew my heart right open, like just like total ego death complete shattering of everything that I thought that I was. But of course, what remained were all the things that are true about me. And it was like this extremely raw experience. Almost like when you have, I don't know if you have a burn and the new skin underneath is exposed to the air and you're like, whoa, it's not ready yet. It's, it's so tender and raw. And I... Hmm. Well, first of all, in that period of waiting, like I learned so much when I was pregnant with him, but my water was broken because I had to learn to accept how much control I do not have. And they're like, I do not own these children that are mine. I, there are no guarantees at all whatsoever. It doesn't even matter if you're a midwife. <laughs> you can't, you can't guarantee any of that. So I really learned how to surrender from a place of divine faith and trust and love. And it really was unconditional because it was like, I surrender to the fact that he might die. And that's just what, like, I don't, I don't have a say in that. And that helped me after he died <clears throat> because I also cultivated a, an intuitive, a very strong intuitive connection to him. And I had felt him in my field even before I met his dad. So I knew like if he was there before I was even pregnant with him, and then he was there when I was pregnant with him and he was there after he was born Then he's still going to be there after he died. And so I just learned to reach for him. And I learned also that when I was in my darkest periods of grief, I couldn't connect with him, but I had to experience those too. Like there's no way around that. Um, but it was in, in the breaks. Like if anybody's experienced really significant grief, you know that there's this weird mechanism, this, like, there's like, you cap out on the amount of grief you can experience. And then a switch flips and you kind of like disassociate and you can just watch like arrested development and laugh again for who knows how long your blessed break is, but you get a break. And so when I was in the break period, that's when I would get messages from him. So sometimes he would come through like shortly after he died, he came through as a helium balloon, like the feeling of a helium balloon just rising. And it was just pure joy and gratitude. And I knew that he was so happy that we made that decision. And 
the next day after that, he came and said, I'm not done with our family. I'll be back again. And then I would get like glimpses of him. Um, just like he would show me what he would look like at the age of 20 or at the age of five or something. And so I learned how to adjust my vibration, like my consciousness. Cause I was like, okay, when I'm feeling this way, that's when he can come through. When I'm feeling this way, he can't come through. I am, there's no way I can't feel this way sometimes. Sometimes I have to be in the grief, but it was like a shiny carrot. So I wouldn't wallow in the grief, you know, it was like incentive to not stay there and milk my like, woe is me stories. But I still was really, really plagued, honestly, with like, why did this happen? It was such a strange feeling to be, I knew that he was nothing but a gift and I had no regrets. I was like, I would do this a million times over just to be his mom. And I could already start to feel the infinite generous gifts that he has given me through the incarnation that he had. And I, I understood that nothing had gone wrong. And yet, of course, I felt like something had gone wrong. And my fear was that I had done something wrong. And I was like, this, this, I've been nice to all the people. And I started going through all the people that I had hurt and been a total dick to. And, you know, every, every bad thing that I'd done in this life. And then I was like, oh my God, maybe it's the other lifetimes. Like maybe I, you know, like killed a bunch of children in a different lifetime or whatever. Like it was really hot. And I kept cycling through this. Why, why, why all the time? It was really psychologically agonizing. And in the meantime, I was not midwifing. I needed to take a break from that for obvious reasons. And I was working as a cleaner in a hotel resort and I was listening to podcasts while I was cleaning. And on a podcast, I heard somebody talking about the Akashic records. And when I heard those words, I was like, Oh, that's for me. I don't even, I don't even really know what this is. Like, I feel like I vaguely, it was probably just in the collective consciousness associated with Edgar Casey had some context for what it was, but I know I had never explored it or, or, you know, looked into it ever, but I was like, magic, this is it. I know I need to go in this direction. And I immediately went to the bathroom and looked up on my phone, this, um, provider of Akashic Records training. It's Jennifer Longmore and her website is souljourneys.ca if anybody's interested. And I saw that she had a self-study program. It cost more than I could even fathom <laughs> at that point in my journey. Like, whoa, I was not used to investing in myself at all, let alone investing in woo-woo things. Um, but I was like, I have to do this. I had, I had no money. I was going deeper into debt. The whole experience with Killian and his pregnancy and his brief life had eaten through my line of credit. So I was like up against a wall financially, but I knew I had to look into this and I signed up on the payment plan and I got to work learning about the Akashic records, just binging all of her content and doing all the journal prompts and everything. And interestingly, when I was doing it, I was like, I think I've been doing this for years and I just didn't know that. Um, and so I 
when it came time, when I was like, when I had prepared myself and I was ready and I was like, okay, it's time for me to practice going in. I went into the Akashic records and I didn't do any rinky dink practice questions. I just went in with the big question. I was like, this is what I'm here for. I wanted to know why he had died. And I didn't care if the answer was you're a horrible soul and you were like literally a Nazi officer and this is your punishment. I I was just like, I just need to know if I am making atonement for something, I need to know so that I can like get into that mind frame and make atonement for it. Um, And I think because the desire was so pure and there were no self-protective fear walls there, I was able to get the answer right away. And the way that it came through was all of a sudden I was at this long table. It looked like, honestly, like in some kind of like lawyer's office, sort of like a divorce mediation. And there was a a neutral party sitting at the one end of the table. Um, And Killian Soul was sitting across from me. And I don't know why we weren't directly communicating. I really don't. But the other neutral party, um, sort of like translated for Killian. Maybe that's what it was. I just couldn't like actually hear it as a human being. But he said that this, this really had nothing to do with my karma or Alex's karma, that this was more about like Killian's karma. I I was shown what karma really is. And it was basically like an experience that he orchestrated that he felt he needed to have in order to complete a theme that was still ongoing for his soul Um, so that he could move on to something else. And at that time, I wasn't shown the whole picture. I was just given that answer. It was later that I was shown the whole picture, but it it was enough to know that he, he said that he had very specifically chosen us. Um, He chose me because he knew that I would love him and want him no matter what. And that like, I would want him even if he was completely broken. It was, and he, he said that that love was like a bomb to the pain that he set himself up to be in. And he, he chose Alex because he knew that Alex would let him go. And that was so, it was so completely healing and so liberating from any residual perspective that I had done anything wrong, that Alex had done anything wrong, that we had failed in any way. It just completely just, I don't know, like took both hemispheres of my brain and turned them in the direction they both needed to go. So everything clicked and both left and right hemispheres synced up properly. And I could just see the whole big picture and be like, whoa, okay. Wow. Everything is okay. Everything is okay. And There is no tragedy here. There's always going to be grief that I don't get to watch him grow up and I don't get to hug him, but he's not gone and nobody failed. And this isn't, neither of us is diminished. He was not diminished by that experience and I'm not diminished by that experience. And neither is um, Alex, my partner. So Needless to say, that was like hugely pivotal in my life. And I had always wanted to be psychic and offer psychic clarity for people, guidance. 
Um, it's so funny when I think about it now, because I would literally sit around and be like, I wish I was psychic. And the whole time I was psychic and I didn't understand what psychic actually meant. I thought it meant being literally haunted by ghosts. Um, and I guess I'm not a medium, I'm not haunted by ghosts. And so that I didn't think I was psychic, but I, when I learned how to read the Akashic records, I was like, oh my God, I can give this to other people. This instantaneous healing that was more complete than anything I could ever have found anywhere else, I believe, um, I can I can offer this to other people. And so I got to work learning how to do that. It was a process of years. I eventually went back and finished my midwifery degree, which was very challenging. And then I worked for a year as a midwife, which is also very challenging, very beautiful. And I'm sure healing in certain ways, but very hard. And then in 2020, I just um, went into doing this full time. I started my podcast in 2019. It's about spiritual awakening, generally speaking. Um, we just got to talk about everything over there. But it was because I spent so much time alone and feeling alienated in my spiritual awakening. I knew other people had to feel the same way. So I felt called to start a podcast. And yeah, it's unfolded beautifully ever since. Um, and Killian really continues to give me gifts all the time, especially as we navigate this weirdness that we're going through that started in early 2020 and continues. And it's very weird, like constantly morphing formats. Um, but it's he it's like he just gave me the key to see outside of. I don't know, like it's like we're sort of locked into this really narrow bandwidth of reality as humans. And we think this is all that's real. And he just gave me the keys to be able to see outside of it and beyond it. And um, it has served me, it has served the people that I've worked with so much. And I know that I was, I know all those visions I had when I was a little kid were because I was here for this time to help people who are newly awakening for the first time, sort of like get their sea legs as we go through this craziness. <laughs> wow. Thank you. I mean, that was, I was in tears. Meg, I probably was in tears too. Um, that was so powerful. And like, thank you so much um, for, for sharing that because I know that there's women out there every day, every hour, um, especially since, you know, being in midwife, midwifery, you know, you know that there's a lot of pain out there in the world right now, especially um, with bringing children in the world, conceiving children, um, just that whole that whole battle right now that we're currently seeing um, in that realm. So thank you for sharing that. And I really loved at the very beginning, you said a slow drip of awakening. And I was like, I love that term. Like, it really is like a slow drip sometimes. Like you get a little glimpse and then it's like, you step back and then it's a little bit more and you step back until you fully take that um, deep dive, like into seeing the difference between what is the matrix and what is reality. Um, in which we create, mm -hmm. right? Well, and you, you have a little one now, don't you? You've had another baby. I have two. Yeah. I have two. Yeah. yeah. So I have a daughter who's almost five and a son who's almost two. I was going to say, yeah. So you went on to have more babies and yeah. Cause I, I've mm -hmm. seen your little ones on, on your Instagram and I'm like, and I, um, you know, how was it to be a mom after that? Was there grief with you know, having another baby and the, like, even like fear responses to that and, or anything, 
or were you just after having that experience or did you have that experience before you got pregnant again with the Akashic and with? Yes. Yeah. So, so basically, yeah, what happened was when we found out that we were going to have to let Killian go, I just like, I broke and I started bawling and my wonderful partner hugged me and said, we can have another one. We can try again. And then, you know, after like maybe three months after he had died, we decided to talk about it. I probably brought it up because hormonally it was very confusing. I was still supposed to be pregnant at that point. And I continued, I donated like, because he was alive, I had been pumping milk and had a very plentiful supply. And so I, I had donated everything that I pumped for him and I continued to pump and donate um, because it just felt like the remaining connection I had to him. And so that kind of kept me balanced, honestly, hormonally for a little while. And then when I, but I was waking up every four hours in the middle of the night to do it. So eventually I was like, okay, eventually I have to stop. When I stopped, then it all hit me. Like all my hormones were like, you're supposed to still be pregnant and you don't have a baby. And somehow you're still lactating. It was very confusing. And I was like, put another baby in me now. And he was like, maybe in a year. And I was like, like this was before the Akashic records. I, I like, I don't know. I think I kind of, when you were talking to me on my podcast about your mom's experience, I I feel like I had a, a, a version of that. There was no poltergeist activity, but something broke in not a good way. And I realized that I was like, I just, I don't know. I was so afraid to face that whole entire year of grief without anything to hold on to. I mean, I had my oldest son and honestly, he kept me alive because I don't want to gloss over it and be like, I just spiritually was spiritually aware of the whole thing the whole time I was. And the pain was so devastating that I would have been suicidal if I had not had my oldest child. And I really feel for the women and the fathers, everybody who loses a child and they don't have another child to sort of anchor them here. Um, but I, when I eventually accepted that, like, I can't force my partner to have another, even try again before he's ready. Like he's in his own grief journey. Um, I realized that there was nothing for me to do, but grieve. And so I put all of my energy into grieving. I only worked two days a week. The rest of the time was just being present with myself and processing all of it. And in hindsight, it was not a strategic thing. I just felt like there, what else would like, what else could I do? There was nowhere to escape it. Basically in hindsight, I'm very glad that that's the way it went because I processed it while it was real and fresh. And so no parts of it are buried in weird places. Um, cause you know how hard it is to access that stuff. If you don't have the wherewithal to process it in real time, then it, it's like linked to other weird things and you have to have it triggered randomly out of nowhere, then deal with it. It's very challenging. And I think that's how most of us are functioning, but I, and that's not to say there aren't continual layers. There definitely are. Um, but what it meant was by the time I got pregnant with my daughter, I no longer felt fear. So I was not afraid for her well-being all the time. And then with this son, my youngest son, likewise, I wasn't afraid 
And I even had a bleed early in pregnancy. And I knew I was like, okay, you know, you just got to surrender. You can't control these things. And I, but I also knew it was part of my womb, like processing a layer that's trapped in the cells of like, Ooh, the last time there was a baby boy in here, shit went weird. Um, so that has really helped. And I, I'm not a helicopter parent and I'm not, I'm not afraid for them, but I'll say this, my youngest son, William, who I am very certain is in some, I don't know, it's not a linear thing that happens, but he, Killian came back as William. Um, he has a fucking death wish and it is stressful. He is so like, holy moly. Like I know there are places I can't take him because he will just run off of a cliff and die. Like I know he will. And it's not me just being afraid. It's like, I know that is a very high probability. And so I just have to know that. And it's interesting to be like, okay, well, wouldn't you think that I had dealt with it enough with the one child that I wouldn't have to deal with this theme again, but I guess I do. And I know that it is connected to a lot of like, this is connected to a lot of karmic stuff for me in past lives, but I'd say I manage it very well. So I'm not in a state of anxiety all the time. Well, and it's so interesting how like pain, you know, we work with a lot of I mean, that's one of the main things we do, but you know, so many people are afraid of pain Mm -hmm. and it's, and and I'm, this is my question to you. How has pain guided you in your life? Well, I think that I did not know how to navigate it until that experience. However, I also had, before I met Alex, I had this weird relationship pattern that again was totally a karmic Akashic thing, but I didn't know it at the time. And so I would, I was frequently in relationships that seemed like they were going somewhere and then it would go nowhere and I would feel really heartbroken. And interestingly, like when I was getting to the end of that pattern, I was familiar with the pain. And so I could just surrender to it and be like, and I knew it was alchemizing my heart. I I had figured that out where I received that guidance from probably my guides. I don't know. Anyway, they gave me that piece of information. So I knew like, okay, just let your heart be alchemized again. And it hurts. So that, that helped me to know, at least I had that in my back pocket. I had that context when Killian died. Now though, now on the other side of things, the way that pain serves me is that I know that that it only ever leads to more of me. Um, that's the only thing that will be found there. So I don't have to be afraid of it, even though my natural inclination, just like everybody else, is to have resistance when I first feel it coming. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I only want the good times. <laughs> but eventually when I, you know, realize it's inevitable, I... I just know that the things that I'm going to find there are gifts that will enhance my experience and they always do. And so, and plus, because I was a midwife, that really served me too. And I've had my own babies. So with William, I gave birth to him at home with nobody in attendance. And that's exactly how I wanted it. It was the best birth ever. And the whole time I 
every time a contraction would come, I have very painful labors. I don't know. It has something to do with the shape of my pelvis probably, but very painful labors, lots of back labor. And it just feels like hot knives stabbing me. But every time a contraction would come, I would just be like, okay. And I would lean in to meet it and I would let it do what it was supposed to do. Like I knew it was not harming me. So I would just kind of like open myself up as much as I could for it to do what it had to do, which in that case was literally opening my cervix. And then it was a, it ended up being a really beautiful labor, but I take that and apply it to the pain of life is like the contractions we experience. They feel like this tightening and like, Oh God, and nothing's working. And you just feel like, you know, we just came out of this crazy eclipse period and mercury retrograde. And I know it's been a lot for a lot of people that compression is like, if you can just be in it and let it happen on the other side, the expansion is proportionate to how much you can just let it happen without making it wrong or trying to resist against it. Surrender. That's what I keep hearing you say. And it's such a, um, you know, in a world that we've been taught to control everything in the masculine, it's mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, the divine feminine of the surrender is what uh, we've found a lot too of just, you know, the more that you can relax into it and trust the universe and yourself that it's going to be okay. And if it's not, then that's also how it's meant to be. Uh, then you keep finding delight in your life. And those moments of contraction like you said, cause so much expansion and it's wild. Uh, cause when you let go of control in anything, when you can't control it, it's like the, we call it a God box, but whatever, you know, you can turn it over. Um, it just is, it, it makes life so much easier, but so many of us have to go through something like you have to, to experience that, but what a gift to be forced into it. Right. It's like those moments where you feel like you'd rather die and then you don't, and you walk through that and you realize like, oh my gosh, the gifts that that time gave me, I wouldn't even take Mm -hmm. back. Um, those are actually, you know, and what I hear in your voice too, is like, they're, they're your most cherished times because it's like, you see the strength of your soul. Uh, and you just have so much wisdom. Like I'm we're like sitting here, I'm like, that could be a quote. That could be a quote. It's like, I'm like writing it down as we go. By Amy. <laughs> um, but just <laughs> thank you for what you do and like sharing your story. It's such a, it's such a beautiful story and there's so much strength in it. And I know that our listeners will get a lot out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know, the thing that I love too, is like, the journey is different for everyone. You know, like you had to go through this of your own journey, you know, like I'm sure that you didn't come into this world wanting to go through the amount of pain you've been through, you know, of course your soul signed it, but you had no idea, right? We have no idea what we're actually going to face in life. And I think so often people, they, they get almost resentful or they get mad and angry instead of surrendering into that experience and being in that. And I I think we see it a lot in today's world, especially with like addiction and stuff like that, that they don't know how to surrender. Individuals are scared of the surrendering. It's almost like they enjoy the pain more than the surrender, because I think harder 
the hardest part of it is actually the surrender. I don't think the pain is the hard part. It's the surrendering into the pain um, of just being right. And having to sit in that, in that pain, because most, most too often, especially in the society we're in right now, um, we have a lot of things that are really good at distracting us from pain. And, you know, I applaud you for really being in that pain because so many, they just run from it. Right. And they, they can't be in it and what you're able to offer people. And, um, I had chills this entire part, like just your entire story, because you have such a gift and yes, thank you. Um, thank you for sharing, sharing your story with us today. Wait, I have another question. Oh, Hold yes. on. Go. Do you, so do you find a lot, cause you work with like people's, you know, probably everything that they ask, right? Do you see it a lot that as a child, you usually always have a lot more understanding of what your soul came here to do than you do as you get up into your like teens and twenties. And then you kind of start to figure it out again around your Saturn return. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. I, I really think that, and I also used to work as a nanny and a tutor. And my parents were always like elementary school teachers. So I feel like I've been around little kids a lot. And I just totally have observed that, that little kids, even if they don't have past life memories per se, like I didn't, I didn't have past life memories. I just had that sense of my true self that I can remember. I, I'm somebody that has a really, really clear long-term memory. Um, but I, I noticed that in a lot of people who come for Akashic readings that they have something that they remember from childhood. It's like they kind of knew, but we get so talked out of it through the false matrix programming that we receive. It's just like, we're constantly gaslit 24 seven. I want to make a distinction though around like, I just think this is an important distinction to make is that because you were saying um, about how some people really have a hard time surrendering and they get angry. Um, so my personal, like I had other things that happened in my life, but one of the wonderful blessings that I do not take for granted is that I had a safe childhood. And that is a huge big deal because that means my sense of self got to, and my nervous system got to pattern themselves around routine and safety and knowing that there was food on the table. My parents were married to each other. This is what time they came home. I was not like, I didn't have to walk on eggshells around anybody, you know, and that's a, that's such a big deal. And also I fucking refuse to apologize for it and say that it's privileged because this is a baseline standard that everybody should have. And is this not the objective that we get everybody to a place where we all get to have this. So I'm not apologizing for it, but I do want to acknowledge that it's a big deal. And um, also in a way it was kind of, none, nothing about that experience was easy, but it was also easy in a sense to receive all the gifts from it and to be present in the grief because who was there to blame? N nobody was at fault. So there was, I didn't have that temptation available to indulge apart from blaming myself. And that's what the Akashic Records set me free of. Um, but also that pain was born out of like the purest love. So 
it was a pain because I loved my son so much and I wanted him so much. If somebody has been violated or abused and that's the pain they're dealing with, that's a different kind of pain. And this world is not what it's supposed to be. And people are not living the way that they're supposed to live. Like children are not supposed to be hurt and violated, but also neither are adults, you know, like I can really understand how sometimes people will have to spend some time in anger before they can get through to that surrender. And the hardest part is like that weird duality of like, it's not your fault and you did not do anything to deserve this. It doesn't matter what the karma is. Like it's not, you know, say for example, a case of where somebody is abused as a child. Your soul did not deserve that. That is not acceptable. It's not acceptable that we live in a world where that is what's happening. And it's still our responsibility. And all that means is like nobody else can fix it. Nobody else can deal with it. It doesn't matter how unfair it was. And it, in some cases, it's extremely unfair. And nobody else is capable of taking that from you and doing what needs to be done with it for you. That just is a hard fucking truth. There's actually a book called Wounded Woman by Linda, I forget her last name, but I just read it. And um, she actually talks about how one of the ways through the suffering of, and this is talking about mainly the father-daughter relationship when there's an abusive patterning there, um, which Nicole and I have, which is why I read the book because I want more information on that. Rage is one of the ways through it. You have to have rage mm-hmm. and get angry because that means that you are avenging energetically the little girl, right? You become her savior. You become the warrior that she didn't have that your father should have been, the protector. And part of that is an energetic rage of the injustice that it was. Um, and mm-hmm. to express that. And you see so much in like energy healings and stuff. Right. And I've had this happen in dreams a lot of like, cause I hold that in my sacral chakra, um, you know, different healers holding their hands over my sacral chakra. And I just start screaming and it's a rage, it's an anger. And it's like, because it is injustice, it is, you know, out of integrity. It is against, you know, what, should have happened as a child. And there's part of, um, all of us that anger is a part of healing, you know, it's part of the, Mm -hmm. the, um, mourning pattern when we go through mourning and when the, when we're not allowed to go through the stages of grief, that's what I was thinking of. Um, when we're not allowed to go through that, that's what creates, you know, the body keeps score and stuff like that. Right. That book is insane when you look at it and we're talking about that earlier, but, um, I also love that you brought up privilege and that's, I, I think that we're all human and we're in this together and all of us have different privileges in different ways, but we're all in this together. And, you know, the, at the end of, at least I hope it's my hope that at the end of my life, that everybody has that privilege, at least better than when I came in. And that's partly awareness, right. And, Um, you know, the, the divide that's happening because of the word privilege is heart wrenching to me. It's actually one of the things that I get rageful over energetically. I never, you know, push it on anybody, but just 
of the, I, you know, it's, it's that we all need to love each other and actually what's causing little girls and little boys to have traumatic childhoods is because of thought processes like that, of that separate us and don't unite us. Um, you know, and I just like meeting like-minded people that will say things like that and speak their mind. Cause there's so much like tiptoeing around things. Um, and that's part of the problem as well, but yeah, you know, expressing that rage, just going outside, go for a hike, go scream off the top of a mountain, go exp- you know, that kind of the things that happen to us, whatever makes you feel better, you know, that doesn't, that does no harm and the energy of does no harm. Um, it's, it's, it's important that we start honoring those, those needs. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, I, I think I might have actually worded that a little off of like, when you surrender, you get angry. It's surrendering into that anger is really, you know, and yeah, understanding totally. and, and, um, and I, I do, I am right there with the injustice of what is currently happening in the world and those that are not, um, that are turning a blind eye to it. Um, it's, it's unacceptable, uh, and it needs to be looked at and it's hard to look at, but, um, it is a part of the process and a part of, you know, the awakening that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, um, I would love to know how our listeners can get a hold of you, Amy. Okay. So I have a website called, it's just amybelair.com. It's currently being moved from one platform to another. So we'll see if it's functioning when you try to click on it. Uh, but that's what it is. And that's what it will be when it moves. Um, but otherwise, I'm on Instagram at cosmic.oracle. I have a podcast called Third Eye Awakening, which featured our conversation, which was so awesome. And I have a, a Facebook group called Soul Space, which is free. And it's just a really beautiful community of people who are at various points on their awakening journey. And we just love to, I don't know, like swap questions, swap stories, whatever, just be in a cool space together. One last question. What is a synchronicity that has happened in your life that made you believe that the universe has your back? Hmm. my gosh, I feel like there have been so many, but I'll bring, I'll, well, honestly, I'll bring it back to Killian is that I knew when, when I first started to detect him in my field, I was finishing out a relationship that was not aligned. And I was traveling a long distance to see this person. And I started playing this song called gold day by sparkle horse. And I started playing it over and over and over. And like, I just could not get enough of it. And every time I listened to this song, it felt like the deepest love. And I started to realize that there was somebody with me that was like attached, like was, you know, we were sharing this song together. And um, it wasn't until Killian was born and I was looking for his song. Like, I was just like, what's, what's your song? What's your song that I sing to you? And I tried a bunch and I was like, no, that's not it. And then I, I sang that one and that was it. And I, that's the song I sang to him as he died. And the lyrics are good morning, my child stay with me a while. 
You've not got any place to be. Just sit a spell with me. You've got diamonds for eyes. It's time for you to rise and evaporate in the sun. Sometimes it just weighs a ton. It's even kind of making me teary right now because I knew that that was his song that he was coming to me with before he was even here to like kind of let me know. And I mean, there's so many other pieces of the story. He just set me up to even be able to see, like put me on a placement that I wasn't supposed to have at a level three NICU where I got to witness these micro preterm births. And it was only a, um, a two day placement. And then it got, got pulled. So I, I know that he set me up to see, to be mentally prepared for what was coming. And I mean, there's no part of me anymore that feels like I'm alone in this. It's, I just know that the universe has my back. I do too. I might even figure out how um, to put this, a little bit of the lyrics into this podcast so you guys can hear it firsthand. Um, Amy did a great job, you know, with the lyrics, but to get the whole like feeling for it, I feel like it would be a great team um, in regard to that. But of course, you know, have to look at all the copyright and do all that stuff. But thank you again, Amy, so much for being here and sharing your story. Um, everything will be in the show notes. We quoted a lot of different things. They will be all in the show notes, um, of course, with um, Amy's Facebook, her podcast, all of the ways to get a hold of her. Please reach out to her if you guys have any questions about awakening or just in general, you want to get information about the Akashic. She is, um, she's got lots of stuff out there. And um, thank you again for being on our show. Thank you also for just being the human that you are. Yeah. And to step in, we appreciate you and we're grateful that your soul's here. Thank you. And make sure that you follow us at synchronicity underscore sisters on Instagram. We are on all major platforms. And then, of course, we would love for you to give us a five-star rating and review the show for that. Other people that are out there searching for a new podcast to listen to. We hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you guys all soon.